I, so tomorrow I need you to just hide under your bed all day. It's, my problem is my bed is on the third floor. I need Hello. you I need you to seduce the woman that lives in the basement and hide under her bed. Welcome to They Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, well, there was this one time we, 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 we knew where we were. I can't recall where we were at the time, but we were not lost for once, and we were recording our ninth album. When a man comes up to us and says, you shouldn't record a ninth album? No, the ninth album's no good, never any good. Name one good ninth album anyone's ever made. You should come on tour. We should wander around America. And now we're podcasting. <laughs> we never did find him, did we? we did never- you two have a ninth album? We did really, you two did have a ninth album. But you two never made one good album. They <laughs> that is a but... But they had a ninth album, but it was one. Of, it was that album that said it was for charity in Africa. Okay, it no, was I really just going into one character. of the ninth album by U two was Pop, which is unequivocally the shittiest album they ever released. <laughs> that that is tragic. I am sorry, audience. I didn't mean to visit that particular hell on you. I owe you nothing, but I have given you an apology. So you're welcome. All right, my name is Scott. That could I'm be Jim. Just like the, the statement for podcast in general. I'm Jeff. All right, and uh, before we get too deep into it, I do have to. We do have to have. We have addendums from last episode. For, do we? Uh, well, oh. we we went off on a bit of a tear on a couple of people, and uh, the world seemed to see the light. And now, uh, Gundam.info's YouTube channel will let you watch the second episode of Gundam Thunderbolt. Watch it now, because it's probably going to disappear in like 28 days. Or minutes. Or less. Or less. <laughs> we, yeah. we, it, it, it's a crapshoot at this point, but there you have it. And the other addendum is that, you know what? My, my respect for our national broadcaster has deepened just a little bit more because the August 20th Tragically Hip concert from Kingston, Ontario will be Broadcast not only on CBC television, but Radio 1, Radio 2, and uh, the internet version of Radio 1 and 2, which is no longer called Radio 3. They kind of killed Radio 3. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. But I believe I believe we have a phrase for that. I believe that is, fuck you, Ticketmaster. Fuck, fuck you, you <laughs> StubHub. Fuck you. Goddamn hosers. Yeah. But there we go. The, the world has seen the light in a tiny way and made me smile. We promise to use these powers only for personal gain? Yes. Okay. Uh, but only really small personal gain, like getting to hear the hip play one last time. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm calling that acceptable. That's, that is well within the menial abilities that we can normally pull down. Yeah. So it's less likely that we'll enrage some sort of Kryptonian monster that way as well. Yes, that's very true. So, 
with that on the universe reflecting our values just a little bit better. Pick of the week. What you got, Jeff? Uh-huh. What you got to me first? Because. What you got to me first? Because reasons. Uh, okay, um, my pick of the week goes to that guy um, at the Fantasy Shop Comics and Games, so you have something to link to my local comic shop, which, thank God, there's still such a thing. Is it Brodor? That's another rant for another time. Or does Brodor not? Is it Brodor? Or does Brodor not work for the fantasy shop anymore? No. Well, there is a guy behind the desk who's really short, and we kind of nicknamed him Gollum. But that's a nice guy. That's probably not Brodor. I was at the comic shop uh, buying comics because that's what you do at a comic shop. But I digress. And a guy, I'm standing in line, and I see a guy staring at me. I mean, he's just staring holes right through me, and I'm like, "Okay, did I piss this guy off?" And I don't know. And I go up to the front counter, and the guy says, this, this will do it for you? And I go, yep, that'll do it for today. And he goes, you're Jabman025. And I go, maybe. <laughs> he goes, no, I love your Gundam reviews. It's really cool. And for like half a second, I felt like a celebrity. So that was fun. <laughs> Jeff met a fangirl. But it, it's a burly comic guy. <laughs> yeah, it could have gone a lot worse. Like, that, that could have not been, I recognized you from the internet. That could have been, I'm going to flirt with you. So. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> never happened to Jim or I. No, sorry, nope. Bob. <laughs> nope. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> God damn Okay. Okay. Still haven't I don't know how you're supposed to respond to that graceful. You don't. You just okay. don't. I, I do want to know the story. I do want to know the story. Jim, go. We do cons. At, like, we do panels at anime conventions, dude. How do you think it yeah, goes we, down? We literally... People walk up to us, try and flirt with us, and... We're just like, what? Yeah, you're doing <laughs> who now? Like, I'm fucking stone stupid when it comes to this. I will tell a personal story. I have had a girlfriend who was gnawing on my neck, and I couldn't figure out what the fuck she wanted. <laughs> Like, I looked at her, I'm like, what are you doing? She, and she gave me this death neck. glare, and it's like, oh, oh, I, I done fucked up, didn't I? Yes, I did. Oh, good. Oh, oh, wonderful. <laughs> this is, this is what happens when I'm not paying attention. Shit. So, yeah, no. Sometimes people flirt with you, especially if for some reason you're slightly higher than run-of-the-mill human at a con. And if you're not expecting it, you don't know how to fucking respond. So, yeah. There's that. Dan, what's your pick of the week? I have a con horror story, but we don't have the time for that. So my pick, it's kind of an addendum pick, is Nintendo at E3. Somehow, you must have tapped into our Nintendo episode last year, where we said, don't follow the Legend of, or the Ocarina of Time model for Legend of Zelda. Because when they showed off that preview for Breath of the Wild, and I'm seeing this dude chopping down trees, running up cliff or swimming and, and climbing up cliffs to get to this sword that's on this little island that's away from him. Like, you you can't do that. that that's not allowed. You haven't gotten a hook shot yet. It feels... What, what is this? It feels like the what is Zelda... This heresy? It, it feels like the Zelda team well, like, is doing a Western-style open-world game based on a vague description of, like, The Witcher 2. People like a game called Skyrim. Look up pictures of that. Make that game again. What? No, that's that's the different E3. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I give props to Nintendo, and I would have said that you won E3 
Except you had to waste an hour of our time going through the same old shit with Pokemon before you got to the Legend of Zelda stuff. Hey, I and appreciate that was also I appreciate Pokemon including the what's beat the what beats what card as part of the main game interface for fighting. Cause come on. Don't be that guy. <laughs> it's like they were watching Overwatch when it tells you, hey, you have way too many snipers, or you have too many of one hero, or not enough defensive heroes, or something like stop that. Fucking Torbjorn! God damn it, stop! <laughs> I'm sick and tired of the fucking Dwarf Fortress strategy. Hey, we're, all, we're gonna go four Torbjorns, a tank, and a healer. Okay, we're just gonna put up uh, turrets at every corner. Fuck you guys. Fuck Tracer, you in particular. Reaper, have a good day. Oh, I hate people who spam Reapers. Just go out there. All of a sudden, you think you're winning, and he goes out, die, die, die. Oh, you fucking asshole. But that's why when I see a Reaper, I say the fuck away from him. I wait until he does that, and then it's like, oh, look, a nail. Hammer hits nail. Nail doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. (laughs) But counterpoint, um, the Hanzo rave. All right, I'm going to go, Scott. All right, so my pick of the week is Callback. Man Machine Poems, it dropped on Friday. I've been listening to it on a loop. It's a damn good album. It, it's some... So, so the Tragically Hip, if you're not a Canadian, are these guys who are from the middle of nowhere who just make good rock and roll, and it's smart and literate without any... without a shred of pretension, and it's just straight-up enjoyable throughout. And this album is more of that. I am loving it deeply. All right, Jim, what you got? I've got the other album that came out that day. <laughs> oh. It dawned on me. Like, I'm looking around my room, and I'm like, right, Garbage had a new album. And I actively went out and bought it. So yeah, Garbage has a new album. And if, you know, you didn't grow up in the early angst-ridden 90s, that may not mean a whole lot to you. But they meant a whole lot to me. So I went out, I bought it. Shirley Manson and the boys still make wonderful music. It is still very much this experimental sound that they've just been fucking around with for 30 years. And I, again, I just really enjoyed the album. It very much feels like why I listened to garbage when I was a teenager in the first place, this kind of weird, not quite electronic, not quite industrial, not quite, I don't really know what the hell I'm listening to, but it's got an intriguing story and really, really dark vocals at points. It's all around good. I enjoy the crap out of it. I've listened to it several times when I'm not listening to Iron Maiden, which is really what I listen to all the rest of the time. So yeah, apparently we're picking music this week. Nothing wrong with that. There we go. So the other order of business before we jump into our main topic for the night is that last week I did not announce the Summer of Mecca contest because I wasn't sure what it was, which is because I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. But the fact of the matter is, is that I have stumbled across $30 of in-game credit for World of Warships. (laughs) This is what happens when you buy computer parts, and I'm not going to use it. And hell, you may not use it either, dear listener, but if you would like to show off your talents and receive something that ostensibly has cash value, I want you to either in the comments to this episode or the next couple episodes or on our Facebook, tell your own rambling nonsense blues man story in the theme <laughs> of an ocean voyage. 
You can do oh, this. this will be fun. We believe in you. Uh, it's not like every campaign under the sun has ended the moment the party decided to cross a body of water. Yes. <laughs> so that so that is your goal, is you must tell a nonsense blues man story in the theme of an ocean voyage. Uh, depending on the entries, at least the best couple will be read uh, will be read dramatically by me or Jim. Oh, I am totally on board. Yeah, uh, but yes, the winner will receive $30 for World of Warships. If you are one of our listeners who is super psyched for World of Warships, you, you, you're probably feeling great about this. Please, please, like, please, please, someone... heard of this. Look it up! <laughs> please, 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 someone do a Gilligan's Island one. Please, <laughs> someone do this. No, you can't feed them, you can't feed them more prompts than that. You can't feed them two prompts. <laughs> Congrats, Jeff. You just screwed some guy's idea. You, you, he you was like, it. I have this great idea. It's two blues musicians are going to go out on a tour and, and, and the ship's going to get wrecked and they're going to make radios out of coconuts and fuck and the, mon- and the monkeys show up for some reason. Was it the monkeys or Harlem Globetrotters? Monkey butlers. There was the Harlem Globetrotters and about anything else that was a popular artist back in the 60s no, it, it was some it was it was one random british invasion band i don't think it was actually the monkeys though it may have been like the dave clark five or those guys who were pretending to be australian but anyhow our our main topic for tonight is mobile suit gundam iron-blooded orphans the latest entry to the franchise new au timeline and I really liked it. I I enjoyed it immensely. There was not an episode I regretted watching. There was nothing that felt like filler to me. This this may be in top ten territory. I, I enjoyed it. I kept I couldn't help but think at the very end of the series, like I think we just saw the anti Kira. I mean Kira Kira was so you know peace loving, didn't want to hurt anybody. The protector of this show, he wants everybody dead. Well, I don't you cross him, you die. You get in, you get here. Here, this is Mika's reveal. You get in our way, your life is void. Yeah, well, like, not even get in your way if you vaguely annoy him. Remember that episode where uh, Biscuit's sisters almost get hit by the car. He goes over there, grabs the guy by the neck, lifts him in the air, is about to snap his neck. It's like, wait a minute, the girls are are fine. They then come out and say, okay, it was our fault. We ran out and he swerved not to hit them. But he's still like, you almost hurt my friend's sisters. Well, I think I'm going to break your neck. Well, okay. But well, I think Mika's character is very much he has, he is this, you know, ancient Greek philos ekthros dynamic where it's like there is what is near and dear to him. And if anything treads on what is near and dear to him, you're done. You are done. I I will I will put out your eye with a giant flaming spear. Well, he's <laughs> simple in that regard. Like he's fairly direct on his approach. In a lot of regards, he's a weapon for Orga, and he's okay with it. Well, he he he. There's there's a contract between them about that, where it's like yeah. he he calls Orga on it. It's like, look, we had a deal. I get things done for you. You get me somewhere better. You're not you holding that, that up. Place. Now, admittedly, so far, that was things are getting fair. Worse. Orga <laughs> had basically just had, well, that's right where Orga has had everything go to skids in a very short period of time. So, reasonably, he's buckling a bit under the pressure. I marathoned this in the last two days. 
Like I've watched the entire series in the last 48 hours. So everything is fresh in my head. The last time I did that was G Gundam. And are you, are you as happy with that as G Gundam? Almost. As I put it yesterday when talking to other people, this is ballparking around G Gundam for me and had me almost as worked up as Super Robot Wars and Spectres. And getting me near a psyched point that SRW did, and SRW is just mecha porn. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. There is that vague semblance of a plot, and they're like, no, seriously, we know what you want to see because we've been churning these games out forever. Here's crazy attacks and people yelling. Like, this didn't need to be a Gundam series. Well, I think it was easier oh yeah, to make it a Gundam could have been series. Generic series. Well, okay, but, so I think you you can go back into the archives and hear me asking for a version of Gundam that feels a bit more like Daugrim. Yeah. And here it is. They even well, put it you, on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you took away, I mean, if you took away their Char analog, you took, you'd replace the Gundam with something else that was mech show, it basically would be a generic mech show. The only thing it really has in common with other Gundam shows is, A, Gundam, B, there's a, uh, standout, obvious shark clone right there. Well, that, and I think the the, the classic disenfranchised spaceman versus uh, uncaring Earth elite is a pretty core theme to well, Gundam. Well, that's been yeah. done in tons of different... That's been done in tons of different I mean, animes. I mean, it was all originally inspired by Gundam, but... It's class warfare. Yeah. it's That's, that's a standard Gundam piece, but it's not exclusive to Gundam. And with McGillis... You could easily, like, if they had peeled the Gundam label off and put something else there, McGillis would have been, oh, look, we're going to have a tongue-in-cheek reference to Gundam's Char character. Here he is. Oh, he's blonde. Oh, he'll show up in a mask. Oh, we'll even have a little reference to the Ephibophilia as a tongue-in-cheek joke. Here he is to marry this prepubescent girl. Oh, by the way, his best friend just happens to really smack of Garma Zabi. He's even got the little hair flip. <laughs> yep. Now, there, there was more than a little tongue-in-cheek. They were laying on him pretty thick there. I think because everything else had very little to do with Gundam, or if it did, just very, like, light touches of it. They yeah. went, okay, in the Char manage, we're going full bore. We're going full but Char. Every Char trope we can think of is in this guy. But that's it. They didn't... Like, if this had not been a Gundam series, let's say somebody else had made this, you would have looked at it and went, oh, they're making fun of it. And it would have been fine. Because it wasn't, let's just openly mock Char. Some of this was just flat absurd. Like, at least when he's dressed up as Montag, you can kind of accept it because the mask integrates this stupid, like, Super Saiyan 3 gray wig. Well, the, the <laughs> thing that I liked about him is you, when, as soon as Char meets Sela, it's revealed that Char's plan is to get revenge on the zombies from the inside. When you see that this guy, McGinnis, is up McGillis. to something else, McGillis. or McGillis is something up to something else. You don't know what it is. Oh, they yeah. slow burn that. Like, that is not properly revealed until the closing episodes. You can tell yeah, he's yeah. pulling strings, but the end game behind it really doesn't get revealed until he's directly fighting Galileo and fucking tells him. By the way, what? this is why I did it, and... Yes, you actually were the only friend I've ever had, but I have to kill you. It's the only way for me to make this work. Look, that this is this is about hosing the elite of the elite for my benefit, oh, yeah. and I suppose I'll reform things to make things a little better, but mostly me. It's mostly me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, part of that that I like is it's 
the world is essentially run by Galahort. That they they've manipulated things, and that they're since they've been at the height of their power, they've like stagnated things on their control. And then when things start to fall apart, all their different factions of the seven families start competing with each other rather than unifying to secure their seat of power. Except and it just makes things. Gillis's dad was doing that. Like oh, he makes reference to the fact that he pulled in issue after her father basically became useless, so he had her under his thumb, and he was marrying off McGillis so he would have friggin' Bedwin's family under his thumb. His plan was to consolidate under him, and McGillis outmaneuvered him. And went, oh, by the way, I pulled in this third faction, totally fucked your power base, killed the people that you were planning on using, and all of it's under me, Dad. And you seriously want to leave, because if you don't, I'll make it all look like it was you behind it. Oh, McGillis played him. He was, I, I go back to Scott's line, what is Char good at? Manipulating people and blowing shit up. He's pretty good no. at, at blowing shit up, but holy crap, can this guy manipulate people? Oh, yeah. This guy is Paptimus Scirocco levels of manipulations. Oh, two things are going to happen in season two with him. He's going to get his goal, and one of two things are going to happen. He's going to leave Tekadan the fuck alone, or he's going to send as much as he has at them to make sure that they don't stand as a threat to him. I think, uh, well, here's the thing. I, I, I think... highly doubt that he's going to leave him alone. He's probably going to give them orders saying, okay, now you work for me. And they're like, no, no. Oh, yeah, or option three, option three, yeah, they they work directly under him. Like, there, there's going to be a point where Orga, Orga or, um, I, I, I still think Orga is going to bite it in season two, but I think Orga or, uh, God. Eugene? Not Eugene. What's her name? Um, Ida? Uh, uh, I really, uh, not Ida. Oh, God. Why, why, why is the one name of the one female character that matters, uh, cl- Escaping me right now. Cordelia? Yeah, ca- okay. Cordelia, yeah. Cordelia. Which I can't figure out if that's supposed to be Claudia or Cordelia. It may be both. It's, yeah. It keeps getting pronounced as Cordelia, so I'm just keeping it as Cordelia. Yeah. So those two, so one of them is going to clue in that uh, McGillis is not on the up and up, and they're going to break, and we're going to see a four-man Ar- Martian independence movement just overthrow the entire Earth government. Just on principle. Just just Ooh. on principle. It's like, McGillis, you fucked us. And this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. We overthrow <laughs> the entire world over order. This, this guy with a crazy beard is now the president of everything. See, I'm I love that man's beard. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see how the power structures are going to break down, because they talk about it before the close of it. They're like, okay, so the crazy Canada-Russia union, whose name is like Arabubu or something like this, which just made no sense to me in the first place, they've hired Tekadan as their military advisors. All of the other economic blocks are kind of stepping away from Yellerhorn and are probably going to start to remilitarize. Yellerhorn still exists as a military power, but their authority they're going to have no political is, backing. Yeah their, yeah, their authority is over the colonies, which are more likely to revolt openly. Yeah. Considering what happened at that, that one colony during yeah. the civil, uh, the oh, union strike. Yeah. What, what if, what if McGillis organizes a revolt on his, for the colonies? He's on playing both sides. He has the colonies revolt. He says, okay, now as the leader of Gellhorn, you all have to back me or they're going to overthrow Earth. I wouldn't be one bit surprised if he does that. 
Well, he's, he was the one and who fronted them the weapons in Earth. the first Plus, place. playing the other side, too. Yeah. Like, he fronted them the weapons in the first place. I really doubt he's shelving Montag as a company. They point out it's over 100 years old, like, in its existence. He's not going to just throw that card off of the table now that he's kind of in charge of Yellerhorn. He'll just start moving other yeah. pieces. Like, I'm, I, I am very... Remember, his plan is to reform the world. And if that means, you know, taking in a few thousand people to do it, well... Oh, he'll, he'll drop a colony on the moon or something, just just to prove a point. <laughs> yep. We're going to drop one on Mars. Mm. Yeah, he, he's doing a hell of a better job than Durandal did in Sea Destiny. Well... Of manipulating the world to get in charge of it. Not going to take the bait. Nope. Nope. <laughs> anyway. Now, can but, I... Like, you, you, hit, you hint on it earlier... I was like you. I thought Orga was toast the entire time. I thought, okay, Orga is the compass. He is the guy who is, you know, leading everyone. And he is especially, oh, God, I can't think of his name all of a sudden, the lead. Um, Kamina? Mika. No, oh, Mika. Mika. Uh, Mika is, Mika's compass is Orga. And I thought, okay, if Orga dies, what does Mika do? I thought he would go full Frank Castle and just, just go underground, oh. disappear, and show up and just start killing people left and right. No, no, Mika's not that subtle. Mika is literally, Mika has one job. Kill everything in the direction Orga points. Yeah, if Orga dies, Mika goes nuclear. He'll just start killing everything. Okay, he goes Incredible Hulk, not Yeah. Like, well, hell, when Issue shows up with her three mooks... And she's like, and they're issuing a formal challenge. And Mika's like, fuck that. I, I love I get, when he hits the guy and you just see I will give you 30 minutes to prepare your suits and prepare for holy shit well, what's even better is that guy rather than get in his suit to try to defend himself keeps standing on top of it spouting insults like how dare you how dare you not respond yeah, you to a formal challenge? Kill you, right? You like, realize he's a maniac. Like he, he's right? just going to put you down. He, he's yeah. going to well, knock you down. Like, <laughs> but these are the idiots that stand in formation into the middle of a battle zone, which yep. I love. I love the pure comedy of that scene. It's like we are the inner defense fleet, and then like the one dude gets his head shot Bang. off. <laughs> Can I shoot now? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Like, like I, I gotta love that. There is always this moment of. So, rep- weapons free? Weapons free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I gotta say, Akihiro, like, I spent this show trying to figure out who my favorite character was, because the cast in this is great! Oh, I like I like all these guys. I mean, yeah. I knew Biscuit uh, was gonna, like, I, I had a list of guys that were gonna bite it. Biscuit was pretty high up. I didn't expect him to last that long. Biscuit bullet. But... I- um, I was there. I thought Orga I'm not would be. Say the, I thought Orga would be the thing. I thought Biscuit would be. I thought the whole time Biscuit was the surrogate us. You know, the audience looking at it. And he, he's the most normal guy there. And I thought, okay, he's just going to stay alive. The entire series is kind of be the audience representation, but not be died pretty. He died like, in season one. I was like, oh, oh man, like taking him out that late just made it sting. Because I'm like, oh, th- this yeah. is going my way. I the people <sighs> I like are sticking around. Oh, oh. Nope. The one oh. thing that would have made it better, though, is the, my biggest problem with this season, so this series so far, is this: we're going to draw out a character's story right before we kill him. 
Yeah, there was. If, if there I was, it happened three times. It happened with Akihiro's brother. It happened with Fumitan, and it happened with Biscuit. Well, with Fumitan, you at least kind of got little inklings because every once in a while she would show off a bit of a skill set that didn't quite make sense for what amounted to just a general servant. Like she, she, she's lady in waiting. She is. But she's a. She is secretary and designer. Just the fact that they're like. And- By the way, I've got a brother, and it's like, of course you do. Of course, you, and now he's relevant to the plot. Of course, and now he's dead. It's like, what is this? A D and D campaign? You know, you always knew when a Shrike team member was going to bite it because two episodes ago she got backstory or a character moment, and then oh god, poor Connie. <laughs> so, so this this is definitely a thing that happens in the supporting cast of these sorts of shows where it's like, oh man, Akihiro is getting backstory. Oh, his backstory is finally coming to the forefront. One of these two characters is definitely dead. I expected it to be at oh, the hero, but not, and then oh, have the too. brother I he was around. Go sacrifice but doing it I the other way is more interesting. Hell, I like the fact that when it comes to the final battle, he's not really there. Like, there's that, you know, I'm in a psycho, because that's what that thing was. You can gussy that thing up all you want. That was a psycho Gundam for all intents. Is Akihiro near this? Ghost in the shell, psycho. No. He's just maintaining the battle line. You get to the end, and it's like one of his folding arms is completely gone. One of the primary arms is kind of fucked. The shield's buried in something, and it's like I'm pretty sure that shield doesn't have a cutting edge. Like, well, dude, that final battle, like, what the fuck? When the 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 Gray's Ein shows up, I'm like, holy crap! This is a 40k dreadnought. This is Venerable <laughs> Brother Ein. Yeah. And, and I, I like I like I actually putting I, I like me, the the sort of mirroring or foiling of Ein against Mika at the end where he is just just the same amount of driven and to a weird extent the same amount of integrated with the machine and having and that play up, and that amount of loyalty and playing yeah. that against each other is that that's what's great about Gundam that is that is. That is the moment in 0080 where these two people are going to fight for their ideals over nothing. And it's not going to end well for either side. And I mean, getting to the final battle, I got to love whenever Gundam goes to Canada. Because it is just pristine wilderness as far as the eye can see. Yeah, that Edmonton is a lot nicer than actual Edmonton. (laughs) Well, I love that they actually use like Google Street View. Well, it's sort to of established some of the locations, okay. and they, they they actually they actually drew the real path, like all those locations. You can follow the exact path that Cadelia and that bearded dude went on to try to get to the assembly building. Well, Google Map, Google Street View is wonderful for that, but it's sort of like, no, this this is centuries in the future. What what happened in the Calamity War to freeze Edmonton circa two thousand fifteen? Yep. <laughs> Nobody bothered to atta- attack it. Destroyed. Just, we never felt the need to replan this city. Ever. For 300 years. And it's like, humans are not that stable. Like, I mean, I appreciate them, like, when they first introduce it and you see the cityscape and the Saskatchewan River in the background, I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's Edmonton. That they They, they looked at some stuff and then you get to the point where they're cruising past the Scotia Bank on 
What 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 street was it? What they they named it was Eleventh and something else. Yeah, like the the actual like they 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 someone managed to pin down the street name to the letter, and I'm trying to think, and I can't recall what it would have been. Edmonton has a weird layout for a prairie city. I'm just going to point that out. Yeah, but they, they they go past the Scotia Bank. They also go past the mall. Yeah, well, not the mall. That well, that's no, on well, the west side of town. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, there are one Tim Hortons away from being properly Canada, <laughs> which probably I'm was pretty, just I'm a sure licensing that, issue. Well, like I'm the, the sure other I'm thing that kind of struck me odd uh, about that whole situation is like they laid siege essentially to this town. For like three days, trying to get this dude in. Like, you actually would hold a political assembly while you're under attack in the main building, even 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 in the main building, which I think is supposed to be across from the Commonwealth Stadium. Now that could have been a push from that Henry woman, given that oh. she's trying to get established for power, and she's got you know Yellerhorn strings anyway. So she's probably telling the General Assembly, "Look, it'll be fine." Yelderhorn isn't actually threatening our sovereignty by being down here, shutting down our police system, shutting down the local city. No, it's it's cool. They're making sure that we can do our jobs. So let's, you know, let's make those boys sacrifice worth it and vote me in power. Well, that and I, you could tell they were generally shocked. It's like, okay, there may be a battle going on out there, but it ain't coming in the city. When it shows them, it's like, what the fuck are they doing? They're having a mobile suit battle. In a city, and I gotta love the 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 weird sort of factionalism that occurs, where it's like, so Gallyhorn's there, and our job is to hold this bridge on the other side of the river. We're just gonna sit here. Shouldn't we help them? No, 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 no. Our job is to sit at this wrecked bridge in case they try to come over here. What if they try to cross the river? Fuck you. That's why you're not in charge. <laughs> Shut up. You're not the boss. <laughs> Okay, it, it, it's cross. Jasper Avenue. That 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 was going to bug me for days. Otherwise, this is the important bridge. Who said I did? Like the the other thing that I do like about this show was also the fact that the Gundams in this. There's a reason why the the reason why they are known as legendary mobile suits. Yeah, I did like like that. the the output is so much stronger. Um, I'm honestly considering how much it wrecked. I'm kind of partial to the idea that the Grey's Eyne was a salvaged Gundam frame, considering the power that thing had. It could have just been used information from the frames they had access to. Like, I don't think Yellerhorn was going, well, you know, it's been 300 years, we're just going to erase all of the records of the 72 Gundam units that we clearly still have records for because we can identify the reactor. So they probably just built it based on that. Well, didn't they start talking about, they said, the original Gallahorn, when it was first formed, created the original 72 frames or whatever. Yep. To end the Calamity War. Their, in the Calamity War, they infused their consciousness into the frames. So they were just essentially trying to repeat that process with the Ein. In well, the thing a is, more is, hellish way. That's right. the weird thing about the backstory, is also that there is such a stigma to people with the implants that the members of Tekadan have. Like, you're some kind of freak because you were forced to have these things surgically implanted. Yeah, but that's propaganda. Like, McGillis flat out calls them on that. Because you've got Galileo going, 
well, you know, I want Ayn to be able to get his revenge. Okay, then we should probably turn him into a cyborg, because otherwise he's missing, you know, 60% of his meat, and he's lying in a bucket. Well, no, I don't want to do that. He's a man. He deserves his revenge. And it's like, okay, you, you can't have it both ways. That is 40% human, 60% bag right now. You either put him in a machine, give him machine bits so he can do it, or you leave him in a medical-induced coma, or you disconnect his life support and let the poor son of a bitch die. The only reason you're even opposed to this is because you've been told since day one, human integration of technology is wrong. It makes you less of a person. But I'm going to call you on the fact that that was our propaganda, so nobody would make this shit again. We've been telling you this for 300 fucking years, that you don't want to do this, and we were the ones who did it in the first place. We just didn't want to have to fight it. That's all it is. Like, I love the fact that he calls him on it, because that's it. Galileo doesn't question. He doesn't think. He just accepts everything at the value it is offered to him. You know, this is, again, cybernetics? No, they're aberrant. Why? Because they're aberrant. What? Well, I was told they were aberrant, so it's got to be aberrant. It's like, a, no, that's that's okay, sure. I'm your friend then. Oh, okay, you're my best friend, and you would never betray me, and I'm going to let you marry my sister. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and we have this consistent, this very consistent counter to that, where the Tekadan are just the most human in their weird little twisted, we've been raised wrong sort of way. And they're all oh. cyborged up-ins. And, you know, we see, we by the end, we see Mika, you know, kind of wearing out because of his cybernetics. And one eye doesn't work. The arm hey, doesn't work. Yeah. But if he's integrated into the Gundam, then it works. And that's all that matters, right? Yeah, he he, yeah. he pushed himself hard enough that he basically had a stroke. Yep. But yeah. since he can integrate with the system, it can kind of bypass the damage. So congrats, you've got your right arm. It's in, you know, a 20-foot-tall bipedal mech. But you've got your right arm. Hope you're never going to need gonna that. I'm going to come back in Season 2 wearing an eye patch with a cyborg arm. Well, Make it happen. One of the things that I spotted today, like, while I'm watching it, the way they drew his eyes, the defective eye is visibly different. There's usually these two kind of white spots that they put in his eye just to kind of catch light. Yeah, it's opaque. It, it, it's, yeah, it's like a flat um, matte finish to it. Yeah, his eye is no know, longer reflective. I don't know if that means that it's actually a prosthetic eye or if it's just that eye's kind of got a dead look to it now. Yeah, that... There's just, it was so weird that, like, I mean, yeah, it got kind of middling ratings, but this was a Gundam show that was so not like a Gundam show. You know, there was no invading army from some distant colony. There was no... <laughs> we were watching them do it. <laughs> yeah, they, those were the guys well, we were siding That flip is great. No. I think they took a lot of what is kind of normal to Gundam and flipped it or played around with the ideas in ways that are actually novel as opposed to just being a first Gundam with bits of Zeta grafted onto it retread. And yeah. I'm you know kind of worried that's exactly what's going to happen in season two. Well, season two is... Yeah. yeah, season two might have a bit of a double O effect, but I guarantee you, season two, there's going to be beam weapons introduced. I don't think so. Because that's what I, I don't think wasn't. So. 
There's there I, I if they were gonna this. do beam weapons, they would have done it at the end of this season with the Grey Zine. Yeah, I don't think we'll see beam weapons because think about this for a second. The only reason that um he hasn't already killed everyone I can't I keep I keep forgetting his name, god damn it. Mika? Mika we just call Mika. just say Mika, yeah. Yeah. The reason he hasn't killed anyone is he doesn't have, you know, a death machine suit. Take Mika, transplant him, and put him in the freedom. He would have killed everybody. Well, put him in the strike freedom. He would have killed everyone and everyone who was ever going to be born. <laughs> the big advantage with these suits is they're great in melee. And the moment you put them into ranged combat, they're pretty much forced to go into melee or find a workaround. Yeah, he's got that 180 cannon. That is a beast of a cannon. That's but you see that many times in Edmonton. And it's okay. They're but, breaking off of melee because that. they know in melee with the Gundam frames, they can't win. So anytime it's a callback, they book hard. And the Gundams aren't really equipped to kind of chase them because it'll separate the line too much. Well, that and the cannons they're using are so... They're like anti-tank guns. Yeah. Well, like, they have to brace before firing them if they were to use them in gravity. Like well, a hero manages to put a hole in a battle cruiser. <laughs> like, we're picking on water. That is no small feat. Yeah, well, I... You know... Well, the thing they keep highlighting is that these are 300 mil smooth bores. Like, that is that is a rock and a lot of gunpowder and nothing else. <laughs> just just kind of quick reference. I love the rebake. Oh, it's my... I, like, when I got the one for that kit, I was only doing the rebake. I, I mean, it'd be cool to have the goes on my four. Like, I really wish they would just sell a separate Gundam frame. Just so I could be able to display both of them next to each other. One thing that I kind of want to do if I pick up a rebake, though, and this is entirely me as a Super Robot Wars fan, is repaint it in the Huckabine colors. Because <laughs> the color palette that's on it is the Mass Prod Huck colors. Yeah. So it'd be, oh, okay, I'm going to do you up like Mark II just to see how you... Well, like, I've I played around with, like, battle damage looks. Some kits pull it off well, some don't. These when the the IBO kits pull it off really well. Like you put it in a bunch of craters under the rebake shield, you damage its shoulder a bit. It looks so awesome. It looks so accurate. Though, bit of a sidetrack, I will call bullshit on Bandai for having to make me buy the sixth form of the uh, Barber Toast in order to get the first form's mace. Uh, that that was the stupidest thing they did with this kit line. Yeah, the signature weapon of that is the mace, and you can't seem to find a way to get it. No, they had it. They just decided to put that plate with the sixth form, which never uses it because it's got the T Rex wrench. I love that thing. I love both the mace and I love that beat stick, and I love the chainsaw. Was that chainsaw thing? Chainsaw, blunt force, trauma, hammer thing. It, it's like a tool that was literally just sitting there. Like, like I don't know who designed deep, it. It's a deep space salvage device. Like it has to be for cutting up bits of discarded battleship for scrap. And this guy's like, well, I'm, I'm gonna hit it with it. I love when they're prepping when when the island's under siege and they're prepping and he grabs that. He was like, "What's that?" And Mika's just like, "I don't know. I'm gonna use it." I'm going to hit a guy with it. <laughs> I'm going to hit him with it. 
It's big, it's heavy, and it's got a blade on it. Good enough for me. It's got a pointy bit. It's got a spinny bit. It's got a chompy bit. I want it. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the whole aspect of them upgrading the suits. Like, they, when the, when the Grey's Kai first shows up, they just patch it up with whatever parts they can find. And as they start killing more grazes, they just start throwing more and more parts onto it so it's back to a proper graze again. But it's still pain. Well, it's good salvage. Hell, they make reference to the fact that they've been salvaging long enough that they can generate cash from it when Mars starts to run out of funds. Yeah. That's one of the deals they make with Turbine is, look, we've got this leftover crap, and they're like, yeah, well, I was able to hawk the generator off of the graze for you because... That's worth a damn, but the the rest of that's junk. But hey, graze money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love that, like, as the series goes on, you see the Barbatoes. Like, it's not a, a, a stupid mid-series upgrade gimmick. You actually see that, no, we're throwing these parts onto the Barbatoes because we need them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a cool second version of the kit, but there's an actual in-show reason it works. And it and it, it just feels right to these characters. It's just like, yeah, these these guys make do with what they have. They find they they break something with rocket boosters. Guess what? We're gonna get those rocket boosters on it and strap them to the sides of our thing. Yeah, well, we're gonna even, gear up as we go. Even to the point with personnel, when they rescue all those kids who were pretty much slave labor for those marauders. I don't even remember the name of that group. The guys Bruce. who had the brewers. It was the brewer pirates. The, yeah. the brewer pirates. And, you know, you don't hear much from them, and then they show up at the end as reinforcements to help them break the line. And they show up with the like, the coolest upgrades to their tank things, too. <laughs> they just start showing, like, guess what? Rocket launchers. <laughs> One thing that I like about the MS in this, the fact that they all have the same kind of known weakness but it's not an easy weakness. That slot in the top, like basically right below the head that goes oh, yeah, down into the cockpit. Like, the gap in the armor, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact that gets exploited because it's everybody's kind of surprised by it. It's treated as a one in a million shot, but you try for it. Oh, it was the only way Mika could have taken down the Guzan. Yeah. Like well, maybe he could have gotten an internal You'd have to yeah. kick it into the sun otherwise. Yeah, I mean, maybe he could have lucked out and stabbed his sword into one of the cannons, got an ammo explosion from a malfunction or something, but the only way to go get that was a pilot kill. And I, that I added like to the brutality pop- in this series, yeah. I found, by the way. Like, compared to oh. most other series where it's, oh, well, and even Thunderbolts, with all of its overt violence, and again, kind of tapping into the horror the- level, this was no, you know what? We're going to show the pilot get fucking impaled. We're going to show you what happens to Ayn. We're going to splatter blood everywhere. I was genuinely concerned for Ozzy and laughter for like, how they showed. Had they not gotten the well, second season, those two characters know. would have been dead. Yeah. Oh, no. The way well, they, they showed that Ozzy know. looked flat dead. Yeah, like that was a busted neck. Well, that kind of showed you early on. I think it was the second episode where the, the sons of bitches who were running... Gallarhorn before it was Gallarhorn, they ran away and left them to fend for themselves. They're like, holy shit, you guys won. Came back, decided to take over. Oh, the GSC or whatever. Or GCS. Yeah, and that one day, they they tie him up and Mika just walks in and says, 
and puts two right in his head. And he's like, yep. oh, they're going to fade away at the last second and you won't see the, you, you'll just hear the bang, bang. And nope. Bang, bang, splat, splat. Okay. And just in case you weren't <laughs> sure that really happened, another guy is going to stand up and he's going to double tap that guy. Yep. Just to be safe. <laughs> just to prove that this is the cast you're dealing with. <laughs> just and in case you're wondering, are these kids a little off? Yes. Yes, they are. But it just shows probably a little more than a little. It just shows you how hardcore this show is without having to be overt about it. Yeah. Like, again, Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt is grim, dark, da-da-da-da-da. You know, here's our strung-out, chunky, burnout serial killers, da-da-da-da. And I flat-out said, Mika does a massacre. Mika is basically a monster a lot of the time, but it's at least justified. They show this brutality to remind you, no, this is war. Well, when- This is awful. These are people inside these things. And for a lot of them, it's really easy to forget that. And in the case of somebody like Mika, it doesn't matter. Matter. Well, like with um, with when they were trying to rescue Akihiro's brother. Yeah. Mika flat out tells um, why am I blanking on his name? Akihiro. Guy. No, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, um, he tells Akihiro, you know, I'll leave the one that's your brother alone. I'm but killing the rest. Yeah. And if he threatens me, he's dead. Yep. And. Akira's okay with it. And of course he would be, because Akira would do the same damn thing in that role. Because that's it. It's it's war. It's conflict. At the end of the day, if you want to get sentimental about it, you can, but the other guy is trying to kill you. And that's... I did like the fact they offered that the human debris kids the chance. Like when Orga says, did you want to kill us, or was it just your job? And one of them's like, no, we, it's just, we didn't have a choice. It's our job. And he's like, okay, if it's your job, I'm offering you a different job. You can join us. You'll be one of us instead. No hard feelings. If you don't, you're welcome to leave. And I mean, yeah. there's that kind of implicit, and if you were trying to kill us, we'll shoot you in the face. No, no, they just airlock them. Why waste the bullets? It's fair. No, there, there is a, let's put it this way. There is no way. Anyone in this show will ever utter the words peace treaty. Oh, oh there's no maybe peace treaty, there's no understanding, there's no pacifism, <laughs> there's no... <laughs> no, no, no there's <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Delia <laughs> might push for a peace treaty depending there on... There is plenty of understanding. The understanding that I'm going to kill your ass. <laughs> well, well, like, yeah. you know how in Super Robot Wars, when, when the other heroes, even Loran, are calling Kira out for being a freaking idiot, for, for just blowing off the heads, you know. No, uh, Mika ain't gonna say shit. He's gonna show up and he's just gonna bitch slap the freedom. Yeah. I feel like Mika and Setsuna would get along. Oh, well, part of me wants to see, you know, a Super Robot Wars or two down the road. A, a revisiting of the hero and Sosuke Sagara dynamic with Setsuna and Mika in the mix. Because I like I liked Hiro and Sosuke as a as, yeah. as a combo, and adding those two guys would be great. Yeah, this guy, like like Jeff said or Jim said, this guy is anti Hiro Yamato. This guy, there's no understanding. There's no there's no peace treaty. There's no draw. There is you surrender or you die. But that's fair. Like, that's the world they grew up in. How often did they have to fight Akihiro when he's sitting there going, no, I'm human debris, I'm nothing. And they're like, no, you're fucking not. You're human. Yeah. 
period. None of this debris shit. You're our friend, you fought beside us, we'll fight beside you, and we'll do what it takes. But they're convinced. Like, Akihiro is convinced he's utterly worthless, and the rest of them is, these are the wars that we fight, this is the world that we're in. Like, this is our, this is literally our job. We are a PMC. Well, I I love that little character dynamic because after his brother dies and he goes on that huge training routine with laughter. Yep. And, you know, it's kind of funny that she jokes is like, I'm beginning to wonder if you're uh, doing this just for the training. And I kind of I kind of want, you know, playing a bit of a shipper thing. I kind of want Akihiro and laughter to hook up. Oh, I repeatedly said that was his girlfriend while watching it. I doubt they'll put anything in more than that. But. Part of that is just isn't laughter she, is introduced as a flirty character in yeah. the first place. Well, isn't she and all the girls in that squad married to that one pimp guy? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, I, I don't it, think there, he there, there, there is a reference to that when they're talking about the fact that the entire crew is women versus the entire crew is men that blurs that. She explains it in the way of, you know, we would be elsewhere, we would be worse off. Like, it's no, not yeah, explicit that she's married to them. So much as it's just kind of, that's the story. This guy saved us. This guy saved us. Like, I don't know if he's sticking it to him every night, but... Although I completely forgot about... You talked about all the women on one side with one guy. It is all guys on the other side, except for not Nina Purpleton. I liked the fact that she was like Nina, by the way. Like, Meribit That's what I called her the entire show. You are not Nina. Yeah, You look like her. You kind of act like her. That's what Meribit was, was if you picked up Nina and put her in this scenario, even the way she's reacting when the kids seem like they're losing, and she's like, no, you don't understand. Like, they're never coming back from this. You're turning them into monsters. What else are we going to do? There's no way we can turn away. I wanted to to say, you are on a warship, piloted by mostly teenagers and kids. What did you think was going to happen? She's an accountant, though. Like, she is, for all intents... The book manager. <laughs> and the bookkeeper. And psychiatrist. And doctor Some and everything else. Cook. Well, that's just the thing that... they don't have on the damn ship, which is a lot. Yep. Well, she, like, as much as Cordelia wasn't part of that world until, you know, she got involved with them trying to take her to Earth. Like, Miss Not Pina... Pina yeah, not Nina Purpleton. Had no idea. She'd never been on the front line. She'd never seen that many wounded. Yeah, maybe she tra- she's treated a broken arm or something like that. But she's never been in a war zone. And she's just like that kind of person that you would see in a disaster flick or a war movie. I was like, why are we doing this? Why can't we just go? You know? I felt I, that she was so kind of that type of character. Noticed, something I hadn't noticed about Meribeth that drives home that it was probably intentional. You know Meribeth's last name? Why? Stapleton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say the Nina reference is is intentional. Yeah, pretty much full on there. But here's the thing, though, about uh, Marbet's character. I didn't hate her. No, no, she's, she's just the grown adult woman in the room. Same as the old man. You know, he is, he is the old man in the room. He's sitting there going, no, you're right. This is a terrible path these kids are walking. But it's the only one they got. Yeah, it's the only option available. We, we can't stop them. I understand where you're coming from. You are an adult who doesn't want bad things to happen to children. You really think I like having to piece these things back together and peel these guys out of the inside of it? But this is where we are. This is what we're up against. Like, yeah, we I got a patch. Down, it matters. 
I gotta fix up that machine and get its po- former pilot out of it with a ladle. Yeah. Well, she's the only, also the only one to really go up to Orga and, at least in a private moment, she is smart enough not to do it in front of the rest of the crew and just say, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck is wrong with you? And you know, at a certain point she just says, you're going into battle, you don't have a medic, you don't have a nurse. You don't even know how to, knows how to make a bandage, you freaking moron. <laughs> she has the virtue of having met Orga in a less than stellar occasion. Like, yeah, nothing gave you kind of that personal power over somebody. Like, watching them at 18 puking out their lunch because it's really the first time they've drunk heavily. So you can go, no, I, I've seen you pretty bad. So I can be slightly derisive. Well, yeah, she's a little more than slightly, but there's puking out your lunch, and then there's going to war. There's there's two different yeah. animals right there. <laughs> oh yeah, and she, she has a right. I especially like when she called him out. It's like, wait a minute, wait, wait. You're leading a military organization. Yeah. Where's your doctor? Why do we need a doctor? What's military a doctor? organization. <laughs> but that means but, you shoot at people, and they usually shoot back. <laughs> up to that point, they haven't needed a doctor for the very worst reason. Nobody's yeah. lived. If you got hurt, you're dead. Sorry. Like, you got <laughs> hurt, you're dead, good. or you sit in the bucket for a while, right? Yeah, nobody sustained a wound that was kind of salvageable. Most of the time, the mobile workers got wrecked. You know, the top of it got caved in, and they're having a hard time even opening that thing, let alone trying to pour the human out of it. So it was like, oh, I guess we don't really need a doctor, because one hit kill. The other thing, like, kind of going back to the mecha aspect, though, I kind of like that the mobile workers are still effective in certain situations. Yeah, that it's not, not all just like, and we're just well, up these and get like ten mobile suits. Well, you can understand. You can look back and you see, okay, why did they stop using guns? A, difficult to produce. B, not a lot of them. C, they're not exactly speedy. They're big, they're tough, and they're armored, but everything else can kind of run rings around them. Yeah. Actually, like the only one thing that caught that, me with that Barbara one suit though, for all of its well, impressive. Well, except for that one suit, what's that one suit? Well. The uh, purple and blue one, or the purple and white one? Uh, that thing's basically a rocket uh, ship with Gundam attached. Uh, or whatever. I, I can't. Yeah, I can never that pronounce thing's the name. Fast as hell. That thing yeah, is a rocket ship that happens to have a Gundam on it. Because it had a centaur mode. Yeah, that thing was themed. It had to be fast. It had a goddamn centaur mode. Uh, but like I, I, I like to like. Oh, we have to board the other ship. Okay, we'll not just like let one of our suits slip by and jump on it. And it's like, no, we'll pass our ships by, have all our mobile workers hauling around like four or five dudes apiece, jump onto their back when they're not paying attention, and then we'll take the ship. But like, I, just that that aspect, I I liked that. You know, one of the things that bugged me at first was the open frame around the tor- lower torso. That all the suits had, it bugged me at first. Like that's a massive weakness if you shoot it. And then I see, oh, they're all in melee combat. They need that range of motion. Oh yeah, they're they're much more mobile. They're much more, I guess, athletic isn't the best word, but athletic than the than all the other suits. But except for a few instances, everything else is faster and more heavily armed. The thing is, as opposed to other suits, you know, you hit them, they start falling apart immediately. The Gundam can take a beating. <laughs> I mean, really take a beating oh. and keep on going. When laughter, when when Mika faced laughter when they encountered the turbines for the first time, and he's piloting like just the frame with maybe some of the shin armor and a shoulder blade left, 
and he's right. still just like clawing at her like he's some kind of monster. Well, and she, and she's finally like, why won't you die? You should have been dead by now. What the hell? And yeah, she I mean, starts out like, this is fun. This is going to be a great battle. And near the end, she's like, this is getting a little die. frustrating at this point. <laughs> Well, I should have killed you already. What's going on here? Well, I, you know this this setting is like perfect for a freaking mech gun or a mech ton scenario because you have the frame that matters, you have the armor that matters, and as each piece of armor takes a hit, it just peels off. Uh, but you know that I, I enjoyed the mobile suit combat. I was really really worried that they were only going to get one season, and I get the feeling that when they were producing it, I think they. When they got to episode 19 is when they found out they had a second season? Probably. And I, and that's why they didn't wrap everything up? They, they left them some things open. Some characters that I'm almost certain would have died otherwise stayed alive for season two. And there we have it. I'm, I'm eager for this in, I guess, a year. Not even a year. October, right? Yeah, it's coming back right. in the fall. I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, I, and I... I was very much looking forward to Gundam Double O, so I'm I'm really hoping this doesn't do a Double O. Because let me get this. I want to emphasize this. Double O season one was great. Season two was good. wasn't bad. It was good. And I'm a little worried we're going to get the same thing again. I think well, I think the grounds for the 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 ground they've laid is so different from where they were at at the end of Double O season one that I don't think we can but, see the producers force them to be. A 21st century Gundam show about everything. Yeah, it would I'm be very a curious. I'm very curious. Is that I want to see the uh, Gunpla kit sales because they'll tell you whether we're going to get a big change or not. If they sold really well. Nope, just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, the Graze is insanely popular, from what I know. They they well, were confident is, enough. Yeah, we're get more of the same. They were confident enough to sell a seven like a seven kit box set. <laughs> I mean, granted, P Bandai, okay. but they still put a seven kit box set out there of all the same kit. Yeah, <laughs> you want to build that frame six times? Go for it. Oh, build that head oh. six times. The I've only built the the high, one with forty fourth high grade, and it's it's a decent kit. It's got some posability issues with the legs, but it's a solid kit. I've got and, um, I've got you know, the Barbados. I've got I forget the name of the thing. What's McGillis's suit? Uh, the Grimgird? Grimgird. Say again? The Grimgird. The red one. His not char. Yeah, the red one. Yeah, it's Grimgird. Yeah, the not char. Although it has, I was looking at, I do have the kit. I gotta build it one of these days, but it has, I'm looking through the kits. It has the Zaku's, uh, machine gun. Not a similar machine gun. Not a somewhat similar. No, it's the exact same machine gun. It's the same fucking place. <laughs> God, I, I wouldn't love be surprised. That. I mean, it looks a little slightly bigger, but other than that, it's exactly the same thing. Well, well, that's, that, that's they, could, the they one. could have just pulled it off the perfect grade plates then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, th- speaking of kits, I gotta love the naming conventions for this, just because it is it. You crack your arse, go Eddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was mildly annoyed that um, one of the demon lords that I'm using we're I'm using a lot in a different RPG right now is not represented as a Gundam yet, and I'm like, so Bandai, give me the Visago. I need a Visago. <laughs> yeah, but that's only a matter of time. We've already got Azeroth. Yeah, it's I not know. in the show. <laughs> now I want to see. I really, you know, what I was really hoping for. We never got. I was hoping for a Graze Ein in one one hundredth. It's like, <sighs> hey, you could do it. Just blow up a Graze. 
I think that I think they don't really want to spend cool. that much I'd money on plastic. That thing would be just a foot tall. Just because I want a one one hundredth half a dude to put in the pilot case. <laughs> oh, also you, you can make gross, that, Jeff. That's not hard. <laughs> just chop off the legs, chop off the arms. Yep. Put them in like a you know a little glass or something. Fill it with gel. There. Oh yeah, a clear green gel and you know take little wires and run it to his head. Goes to like shell the shell style. They never showed him completely. Like they kept the shots really minimalist for what it's like inside there. You didn't want like, a detailed shot of what was left of that dude. You really no, didn't. Exactly. He's a like nervous the, system with plugs in him. Yep. He is forty percent meat, sixty percent bag. <laughs> right. And negative ten percent robot. <laughs> yeah. I also love the fact like again, I love his loyalty, but he never got what happened to Crank, and he, he never even tried. He was just certain Crank had gone down there and given him an offer, and, and they murdered him in cold blood. And it's like, no, no, Crank knew he wasn't coming back if he didn't get hurt. He walked in there knowing full well how this would turn out. But since you've got this idealized version of Crank in your head, you can't accept the possibility. Well, so you, you kill everybody in the name of this. You would completely sully this man's memory for your own ideal, and you don't get how that makes you a hypocrite. Well, the thing is, is Crank is like the only one in Gallowhorn that I really liked. Crank was Rumba Raw. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He, he had honor, nobility. Although, although what's her face? That one lady had honor and nobility. That didn't do, do her much good, did it? <laughs> no, she just had the nobility. Carla, yeah, because Carla wasn't exactly known for honor. She was like, I can't be embarrassed. Well, that sucks to be you, doesn't it? Well, no, yeah, there's no, there's no honor there because she attacked essentially a mobile worker that was out of ammo. Eh, okay. Fine. Yep. She's got plenty of nobility and an ego the size of Texas. Yep. But, well, she was, for all intents, Makube. She tried to have oh my God. You know, the nobility appearance. Oh my god. Yeah. Did I just suddenly realized you're right. She's Makube. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. She's been Makube the entire time. Even right down to her I can't believe I didn't see that until now. Yeah. No, I watched I this even, today, I she's on screen, and I'm like, okay, you, you've got a weird appearance, I'm expecting you to either be Haman, oh, you're Makube, okay, <laughs> let's see how you, oh, and you die like Makube, too, oh, that's, <laughs> ooh, ding oh, the, Makube got a quick death, she just sat there, broken and bleeding, in the cockpit, calling out McGillis's name, yep, and McGillis didn't give a shit. And I'm okay yeah, because that. he's sharp. But that's it. Like you can easily because, see because he's saying, got his lowly I never betrayed <laughs> anybody. But the thing is, with McGillis, it would actually be a lie. No, like, yeah, he betrays everybody. Well, his, his own father, her, but his he, best it, friend. Comment to Galileo after death: "You were the only friend I had." Like Galileo is dead at this point. He's murdered him. He knows it, and he still says it. Back Char to go. Char doesn't do that for Garma. Char barely cares enough to make a comment to Garma beyond blame this on the misfortune of your birth. This fuck you, Garma zombie. Like McGillis at least owns the fact that no, I just murdered my best friend. I've I've hurt people that you know loved me and I loved on some level because I needed to because it's like, what was necessary to go back to Super Robot Wars. 
This guy walks into the same room as Lelouch. Lelouch is going to say, I like the way you roll. Yep. Like, that is one thing I want to see, is the chess game between Lelouch and McGillis. I got one side now, too. This series is going to make such a splash when it shows up in SRW. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, but also, I'm also looking forward to being able to buy a brand shiny, new, brand spanking new Gundam show on Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I realize Build Fighters is going to hit in like a month or two, and I'll buy that. But this is like, this is this this is going to feel real for me. This is no longer playing catch up. It's just like well, this yeah. is legit Gundam show. This is legit Gundam. Hey, I said it. I said it. The first the night it aired on Toonami. Gundam is back. They even used the old Gundam Wing music for the promo. I was like, "Thank you." I, I love you know them who mirroring that is. promo. I'm not. I don't have any Toonami nostalgia because I didn't have good cable at the time. But yeah. it's like we were stuck with well, YTV. I, I have plenty of Toonami nostalgic. But ha- having over that, that promo thing, mirrored exactly is like, yeah, you know what you're doing. Well, the thing is, is that promo matched this show more than it did Wing. Oh yeah. I, we hit on it last episode too. I'm very interested in what they did to Mika in the English dub. He has a much greater emotional range than I thought he did during the Japanese version. Whereas it's the, the opposite of hero. Yeah. In hero, the Japanese dub, he was very emotional and uh, vivacious. And in the English dub, he was a fucking robot. So they kind of reversed heroed him. But to go back to Scott's point, I still can't believe that I have turn A and X sitting on my shelf. Oh, yeah. Got turn a, I got X. I got double Zeta here on Blu-ray. Oh, that's the next one I'm going to pick up when I get a chance. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get Build Fighters one and two. I just the fact that Nozumi. Yeah, like I keep thinking that I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a couple empty spots on my shelf. I kind yeah, of remember, wish I let's rewind that I could break into your house and do that. Wow. <laughs> Hide them at a different point in the room. Dick move, Jim. Dick move. Love him. But yeah, re- rewind the clock. Rewind the clock ten years. We're all sitting back, man. There's oh. turn A. There's all these great gun well, series. We'll never get you, to you hopping back to like three years ago. Fault. Like hop, hopping no, no. back three years ago in the show. Like go back to three summers back and just the doom and gloom we could project over this. And now it's yeah. like, no, we're, we're in a pretty good place. I'm happy with this. Celebrate good times. Come on. I'm wondering, if they're gonna, I'm wondering if they're ever going to give us the proper history on that Calamity War. Like, if this series does well enough, are we going to get flashbacks to that? Are we going to get a proper explanation of how season, that went down? Season two. Well, like I, I, I get the feeling that season two is where that's going to come in. They probably... Like see they talk they, about they talked about Galahorn infusing Gundams with consciousness to make them. It's like, does that mean that that Barbados still has some remnants of somebody left in it? I.e., it would Ava? explain why it responds. Like, there's no kind of communion it. between. There's a communion between the pilot and the mech. Well, they always kind of hinted yeah. at Wing that the Gundams might actually have some kind of consciousness to them or something. This well, there was more than a hint. It's like, no, they're alive in yeah, some form. Else in there, it might just be a rudimentary AI. But that's when he's asking it for more power, and all of a sudden, you know, the eye ruptures, he's bleeding more heavily. And they've already told you several episodes prior that the built-in limiter was turned off for Mika. So he should have already been running at maximum anyway. 
He went from 100% to 115, 120. Which means there's something else in their governing output. And again, it could just be like a rudimentary AI that by virtue of this integration system can be bypassed through pilot's will. It could be another consciousness. Like, it's a question of how they want to play this up. Do we just go with machine logic? Do we go with the Gundam kind of pseudo-spiritualist new type ghosts out of freaking destiny? <laughs> yeah. This, how do we want to do this? This thing isn't Chamber from Gargantia. This thing isn't a Robro. Yeah. But it, it there's something yeah. in there that knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. Well, I'd really the, like to see... thing is a standard Gundam trope. The eye flares to kind of show the interaction between pilot and machine. But when the Barbados was doing that, it was in response. Like, it was yeah, not just, it, hey, Gundam is activated. It's, this is a big deal. is bringing up the camera and really focusing. It's, Mika asked, and the eye flared, and it changed. Well, and the, and the Gundam seemed, I don't know, the Gundam seemed to want to protect the pilot. Maybe that's just something I read into it. It wanted to win, or at least that. Maybe not the pilot, was like, yeah, achieve objective. Achieve objective. Defeat enemy in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there was consciousness in there, how long ago was the war? 300 years? Yep. That yep. thing's been alive 300 years, stuck in a box. So even if there is any form of consciousness left, it's pretty screwed up. If if it's a human being, they'd be insane. So I really doubt it's a full-on human consciousness. If you took a man, figured out a way to keep well, him probably- alive for 300 years, and then strapped him to a chair so people could vampirize him for power, he'd be bug what? nuts. Well, I, I don't think it's, you know, straight up transferring consciousness into a machine. I think it's more of a copy There's- machine. The robot thinks it's alive. Or it's memorizing experiences of its past pilots. Could be. That'd be a great resource for pilots. Like, rather than running the classic learning computer, you've got what amounts to kind of backup mentors. Like, yeah, this and guy survived X fights, and then he died here and because were, of this. Oh, and if yeah, they were, I mean, you know, Galahorn members, they were obviously skilled military men. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Well, like, if that's the case, though, I really worry for Akihiro, considering who was the pilot just before him. But, but then again, that dude is still more stable the entire way along. Like once he gets that and gets retools, he's well, no, no, calmer. no. Wait, Akihiro is fine because that other guy didn't have the man machine interface. No, the dude was just driving it. Yeah, he was just crazy. Now, all those Gundams. Well, all those Gundams at one time had consciousness infused into them, but that was three hundred years ago. But we don't know how many Gundams are left. We just know there were seventy-two to start with, and there's about we've six seen. we've seen so far. Six or four. There's the Astaroth, there's the Goosen, there's the Kimaris, there's the Barbados. The Astaroth is from the manga. The other three were in the show. There's only four of it revealed, and I get the feeling from dialogue, Gallarhorn has at least two or three more. I feel like every house would keep theirs. Yeah, every every one of the main houses has to have one. So there's six more right there. My question is... My question is, if these things are so highly prized, how did one end up as a friggin', you know, generator for a low-rent mercenary group? Well, the well, other one was, was a pirate crew, right? They they just, they left them where, like, part of the propaganda is a rejection of everything that had to do with them. So if, you know what, one got dropped on Mars, one got dropped on Mars, we aren't going to spend money or time retrieving it, no matter how useful it is. 
And it, then it's, it's just a reactor for some punk mercenaries on Mars. Yeah, that, that it was probably just one of those situations of, guess what, this Calamity War was both on Earth and Mars. I'm pretty sure there well, was more than one Gundam on Mars, and the Barbatos probably fell in battle, was forgotten, yeah. buried in a sandstorm, and somebody found it a hundred years later. Well, they do say yeah, its cockpit was fucked. So yeah. if there was well, a pilot... It's, it's it, very possible you know. that they didn't lose it, they thought it fell in battle, and then, oh, it fell in battle, but it didn't die. <laughs> yeah, well, again, if the pilot got fucked, if the cockpit is destroyed, and it's a similar weapon to the Barbados's mace then the cockpit's going to be annihilated. It's going to have a hole in the back, but evidently not enough to destroy the suit because we see him hit grazes with that with ease. Cockpit's fucked. Well, pilot's dead. There's no point in retrieving it. Just leave it there. We'll, well come back for later. We don't, like, we haven't seen any flashback of how bad the Calamity War was. Yeah. Um, they mentioned when they were going through that zone where they ran into the pirates. The shale that- zone. The shale zone, that this area is contaminated with that energy. That I'm pretty sure that, yeah, there were 72 Gundams at once. There's not 72 now. Oh, God, no. no you no, didn't no. expect them to survive the war. If they did, they'd have kept every one of them. I get the feeling I, that I, in I the shale zone, there were quite a few Gundams that went down. And then when they did go down, it was big. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd be surprised if there's half that number left. There's got to be less than 30. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't call it the, you know, the nice war or the quick war. They call it the calamity war, okay? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yet again, Astro- Australia gets screwed over and bye-bye Sydney. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you're on a Gundam show, don't live in Aussie. Y- you know what? No, that's that's not even a Gundam show principle. Don't live in Australia. Everything there is trying to kill you. Move. It, except for Nine. volcanoes. You don't have volcanoes. And because a volcano raised sleep under Ayers Rock. <laughs> a volcano rose up out of the ocean. Saw that it was right next to Australia and said, fuck this, I'm going to New Zealand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's the only way it makes nope, sense. not gonna stay here. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I, I am, I don't necessarily have a very strict top 10 Gundam shows, but I do have a couple of just basic metrics. It's like, do I want to own this? Do I want to watch this again? And yeah, oh, Orphans yes, is one I want to. Yeah, it, it's double yes. It, it's like, yeah, I want to buy this. I want to watch this. I want to show this to other people because this is the franchise doing well. Yep. The oh, and one of my metrics is it's kind of what Jeff does. It was model kits. I have the Barbados twice. I have it in one one hundredth. I have it in the one one forty fourth. I kind of want to get the sixth form because it looks cool, and I also want that damn mace. Whatever form it takes in the next season, I'm probably going to get that. I have. The I have the Guzan. I didn't just get the the one one forty fourth. I got the one one hundredth that came with the both the rebake and the normal Guzan. That's a fifty dollar kit for something that's technically a no grade. And I bought that Bandai, as soon as I found it. Bandai, if you're listening, I know you're really proud of these one one hundred kits, and you should be. They are really good one one hundred kits. That doesn't mean you don't need to make a master grade of the Barbos. Just saying. Go out if they if they do a master grade for the Barbatos. I feel like they have to go all out on it, though. Yeah, it's, nope. it's oh, not no, here's, here's how you make it. Here's how you make a bar- Barbados master grade. You fix the proportions a little bit, detail the inner frame more, and give us the damn mace out of a die cast metal. Ooh. Oh God, that thing Thank would be you. falling over all the time. Yeah. No. Okay. Do we one, care? One point for this one one hundredth line. 
fix the goddamn hips. Yeah, the hips are kind of funky on that kid. I, I've had the hips on my goosen fail out on me, or not fail, but like slip way too often. So, See, Jim, but- you watched this show in two days. Do you regret that decision? Not even remotely. Like, when it comes to Gundam, it, you and I kind of run similar principle there. It's, would I show this to other people? Should I show this to other people? My standard for Gundam is always three-movie treatment, because the three-movie take on the one-year war is the way you do the one-year war. Then it's, okay, you've got this familiar, and you already have your Gundam archetypes in mind. Let's show you G Gundam to spice it up, just to show you kind of what you can do. Let's have a little fun with it, because as we all know, G Gundam is the fun series that doesn't beat the crap out of you in episode 49. Fuck you, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, and then it's okay, and then we'll show you the other stuff that kind of expands upon the mythos. This... This is sitting as my alternative. Like, this is kind of sitting between G Gundam and X, because this isn't when you're war again. This is a different take on the children at war. And this was just a show that I, like, I looked forward to the next episode of. I would not watch those previews because I was hate watching the next episode preview. But I would sit through Orphan Tears. That, that ending song was wonderful. I feel bad for the person, well, the people who were like, okay, here's the second half of the season. Here's our new ending. It's like, no, 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 no. No. Orphan Tears was enough. Just keep running that. And they bring it the fuck back in the later half during an episode. Like this show, th- I will show this to other people just because you want to get into Gundam. This is not a great show for an entry. Like, I would not show this to somebody who's never watched Gundam and be like, this is emblematic of Gundam. That's what the one your war is for. But this is an example of what you can do with the concepts that are common in Gundam. This isn't just a, you know, a good entry point for Gundam, though, but it's still just a damn good show. Yeah. Oh, it's a fantastic. Again, one of the things that I like about this is you can peel the Gundam name off of it. I probably wouldn't have watched it. I'm not going to lie. Like, if, you know, you. I was about to say if they called it Dragonar, and it's like, no, you know what? If Sunrise had tried to sequel Dragonar, I would tune in just out of respect for Dragonar. But it's kind of a similar formula in that regard. Dragonar was Sunrise's first attempt at let's do something that isn't Gundam while being oddly close to Gundam. If they had called this something else, like even if it was just, you know, Iron-Blooded Orphans, and that's all they called it, I may not have watched it, but if I had taken the time, I'd still have enjoyed it. It wasn't Gundam that sold me on this show. It was the cast. It was the story. It was the action. It was the fact that you give a shit. Like, this cast of characters are genuinely interesting and likable and deplorable. Well, and I want to see what happens to them. As everything you just said, one thing crystallized in my mind. You know what this show isn't? Gundam Age. Everything yes. that Age got wrong, they seem to be getting right in this show. Without necessarily doing the music, opposite, action. right? Yeah. They they didn't sit there and go, okay, well, where did Age fuck up? It wasn't like somebody used Age as a guideline. They just went, no, okay. but they just tried to make it... They just tried to go back to the roots a little bit, but also say, let's make an action Gundam mecha show, as opposed to Gundam Age trying to... Let's try to make a show that will... Bring more fans in. Well, one of the things that caught me... Iron-Blooded Orphans doesn't care. Isn't a show made to bring in new people. If anyone shows up, great. This is a show for, hey, you guys like Gundam? You guys like Mecha? You guys like action? Guess what we got? The thing of age, I like... With full-on Mecha combat in this. Like, there's a couple episodes where they don't 
have robots fighting. It wasn't like they sat there and went, okay, we need, like, there wasn't a quota. This entire thing, I keep internally comparing it to a D&D campaign for any of its flaws. Like, hey, I have a brother. Here he is. Now he's dead. Like, anytime it kind of goes awry, it feels like they were sitting there doing the story meetings and somebody's rolling dice. Well, okay. So you you mentioned the episode where there's no fights. And I'm like, yeah, there were, like, Gundam Seed basically alternated. You either had a fight or you had character moments. And here the character moments hit. Whereas I feel like in Seed, it was just like, I'm going to be mopey in the shower. Let, let's all talk about being mopey in the shower. <laughs> well, with Seed, it was almost like an alternating current of a mecha episode, or mecha fight, character moment, mecha fight, character moment. Ke- Here, you would have a mecha fight that would be like two episodes, and then you would have three episodes of characters. Well, they didn't have to sacrifice character development for the fights, and they didn't have to sacrifice the fights for character development. They tried to work in both. Like, it was, we can tell the stories of this cast, but this this cast is a group of very violent young men because that's the world they live in. That's where we start, for God's sake. Where do we begin this series? But Mika sitting there, clearly having murdered a man, turning to Orga and going, what do we do next? What do I do now? Completely wide-eyed, completely open to the fact that, no, I tell me what I need to do. I killed that guy. Who else do I need to kill? (laughs) And I like the fact they keep flashing back to that without ever explaining it. Like, it's this is a pivotal moment for these characters, and yet we're we're not going to tell you anything more. We don't know who they killed. We don't know why. They don't seem to be collecting the money that's all around the body. It's just just the the way they tell these characters' stories. Like, um, I'm blanking on her name. The little girl who worked at the shop who would bring the guys food. Yeah, Atra. Atra. When she tells her back... Which I really enjoyed. Well, like, Atra, when she's telling her backstory, she doesn't flat out tell Cordelia, yeah, I was working in a brothel as the the cleanup girl. They just say she was working in a place... With other women, and they bullied her, and they were mean, and she made mistakes, and they never let her live it down. And the dialogue never made it clear that that was that kind of establishment. But then you see the visual for that. And you, if you well, know, you know exactly where she is. Yep. Well, even, even the girl who was listened to, she she didn't say it, but she said it in enough words that even the other girl, like, kind of figured, okay, I know exactly where you're working. We don't need to go any further into that. <laughs> yeah, let's not dredge <laughs> it, it's up. just depressing to think of a little girl working there. But anyway. But yeah, there, like we've always said, in Gundam, in mecha shows and Gundam specifically, you show up for the Gundam fights. You stay for the character building and emotional pathos. Yep. And this show does both right. Yeah. Oh, well, the battles are spot on. Like, the battles are just a great bit to sit through and watch and just enjoy some of the outright brutality that they are pulling down. But it is. It's the characters that make you want to stay. Like, it was to the point yesterday where I was calling Akihiro's lines. Like, I'm sitting here watching the show, muttering his lines before he says them, because I've got a, a solid enough grasp on his character that it's this is the reasonable thing he would say in this scenario. And Akihiro doesn't even get a great deal of development. I like the fact that one of Mika's inner little secrets, and it's not a secret, it's just not something he tells people, is that he wants to be a vegetable farmer. This guy is quite possibly one of the most violent Gundam pilots, period. And his big ambition isn't just to 
go out and murder people because that's what he does for kicks, and they try to call him on that. Like, the pilot of the Gujian says that. He's like, you're enjoying it. stop and think, and it's like, I kind of don't. Yeah, it's this is what I have to do. This is this is you know this is how I protect Orga. This is how I protect everybody else. I don't really well, enjoy it. Come- it's just what I do. What I want to do is grow I, vegetables. I want to grow food. Well, I want to get fuel. I well, it all comes back to that original agreement with Orga. It's like okay, Orga will tell me what to do. He will get me to a better place. So maybe I don't have to do this anymore. I can settle down and be a farmer. Yeah. But in the meantime, to get to that place, I have to kill all these people. Yep. If I want to get there, it's going to be over a lot of bodies. And mm-hmm. that's okay, because Orga tells me... As long me as I get okay. there. Yeah. As long as Orga says, this is what I'm supposed to be doing so I can get there, and I can do what I want to do. I don't want to do this. This isn't my goal in life, but I'm willing to do this to get to the thing I want to do in life. Yeah. All right. I loosely stepped on it at one... Because we periodically kind of reference the interrelationships in this. I liked... The fact that they didn't, like, they had little bits of references to chemistry between Mika and Cudelia, and really only expanded on it with the kiss, which seems to have been a throwaway thing in Mika's poor attempt to try and improve her feelings. And otherwise, like, when Atra gives him indirectly that friendship bracelet, when he wears that into combat with Barbados, he keeps sniffing it. Like, it's, Atra means something to him. Cudelia means something, but it isn't the hammed-up relationships that have kind of become stock for Gundam. It's just, these are these are friends, these are people he cares about. Maybe more later? Who knows? They're kids, they're teenagers, for Christ's sake. Well, one thing you gotta agree on, like we said at the very beginning of this episode, when he, his friend, Biscuit Sisters, his friend is Biscuit, his Biscuit Sisters getting into danger, he goes and defends them with violent, you know, overtones, but he defends them. Yep. The, the people he cares about, his friends, he will go to hell and back to get. But it is all a part of this overriding goal. Okay, I am going to get us to this place. Orga knows how to get us there. You all who are my friends are coming with me, but we may have to go through the Valley of the Shadow of Death to get there. Yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody falls, like Biscuit, I'm going to fucking butcher the person who did it. Yeah. And that was, I was okay with that. Like as much as during Thunderbolt, I kept calling out the Zeke side of it for taking the war too personally. In regards to Tekadon, no, it's it's perfectly acceptable to take it too personally because for them, Tekadon is a family, and for Yellerhorn, they kept making it personal. Like yes, Carla didn't actively murder Biscuit with the intent of pissing off Tekadan. That was not the goal behind her strike. Her intention was, that's their leader, kill their leader. And that's, on a tactical level, that's that's what you do if the enemy leader is right there and you've got a clean shot, take it. But it's when she comes back and goes, no, 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 I'm going to redefine this. We're going to have ourselves an honorable duel. We're going we're gonna to play up the ideals of war. And it's like, lady, those are stories. There's no ideals. Yeah. The what human the race of war is, is really good at war, and all war is is killing the other guy before he kills you. Well, I get the feeling that she's never actually faced anyone who could put up a fight. I like, think she's ever faced anyone, she, period. Like, the most it is is probably smugglers or space pirates trying to get past her blockade. 
Nah, even then, she's, she's, she's inner sphere. She's inner sphere. She probably just does honor guard shit. She she flies in formation for well, cruisers and shuttles. That's why those guys had the position of... down spot on and thought that spearhead tactic would work. <laughs> well, well, think about Gellarhorn when they first attacked Tekadan before it was Tekadan. They were butchering them like cattle. They were whooping their ass until the Gundam showed up. She has probably been in battle, but she's always fought these nobodies with no power, no technology, and nothing, anything compared to what she's got in terms of her mobile suit. Yeah. Then that Gundam shows up, and she goes, oh my god, he's on par with me, if not a little bit better. I'm fucked. <laughs> well, they practically shit themselves. They don't even know it's a Gundam frame when the Barbado shows up. All they know is it's a mobile suit. And the guy yeah, We're going to go out there and charge. challenge him and show them what we can do. Well, yeah, the guy I think, didn't charge. they think they had... Well, I think they thought they did have that one suit they scavenged and put back together. I think that's what they thought they were piloting. Oh, they're just using one of our suits to fight us. We can beat one of our own suits. The Gundam shows up and they're like, "Is is that is that that that's a oh, that's a Gundam? We we, we should run now." <laughs> yeah, we haven't properly identified that, and he's already killed the commanding officer. Yeah. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, th- I'm glad this show's out there. I'm really glad. I'm looking forward to more of it, and that's where I'm at, and I think that's an episode. Yeah. Woohoo! This was... Yeah, that was... That's a hell of a... That's two hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. No, this is... Enjoy editing down this one. Um, it's the job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of feel sorry for you, but then I have to edit my videos. Oh, wait, my videos are like 15 minutes long. Never mind. Yeah, you, you're, what, what's your shot time? 30? <laughs> I really no, no. want to know Usually what it's only like for seconds. Only 25 minutes. Like, cause it would be very easy to screw this wanna, up if they try. I want to. a good time skip. That's what I want. I want flash forward 10, 15 years. You see, you know, Mika as an old, maybe not veteran fighter, but he's a man now, not a boy. And Orga is the old veteran. And you see, like, those kids from season one, now they're the rookies. Actually, I'm still trying to figure out at the end, did Ride lose his arm? Because Ride is all bandaged up, and he's got the coat on, and the sleeve is empty. It's yeah, like, did I you think, I think he did. lose the arm? So two people with cyborg arms. <laughs> well, I didn't even know the um, mechanic had cybernetic legs until you, he, they're at the ocean. He's like, yeah, um, I don't want to rust. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still no, gonna I rust. those were boots. Like, I just assumed those were, you know, the effective steel-toed boots for the setting. I was like, holy shit, you have no leg below the knee. <laughs> all right. There was well, a reason we will, he was on his feet all the time. Well, we'll catch you next time when we will either be talking about Knights of Sidonia or you'll hear Jim and I do a commentary track over the only mech movie on Netflix right now. <laughs> Well, wait, well, is that also... the motorcycle? Are we watching the Ninja Motorcycle show? What? Did I not tell you Ninja about that? There is, there is a show, or at least it used to be on Netflix, that involved a transforming motorcycle that knows ninjutsu. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with, it, it. it's called Expelled from Paradise. It looks terrible. We're going to make fun of it. It's going to be great. But So that's Canada Day weekend. All right, good. Yeah. I, have, I have one word for you, Scott. Yeah. Voltron. It's on the list. I watched the last episode today. We're going to talk about it after. Don't worry. Voltron! 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 Yes. Eventually. Voltron. Yes, we'll get there. Until then, see you next time. Have a good night, everybody. 
Ultron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gosh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. It's released under Creative Commons Attribution Share of Life Non-Commercial 3.0 International License. Please visit sbopodcast.com for contact information, social media links, and past episodes.